sits down with former Badgers to break down the season. Whether it's on defense or offense, we got to put it to the team immediately. Talk about that. That's the hardest thing to pick up. I would like to see our corners play a little more aggressive. Now, I think that's when our run game started get going. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We're live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. Badgers coming off another big win, or coming off a big win, I shouldn't say another, after you lost two in a row. But Wisconsin gets a big win over Iowa. They beat them 24-22. to Going to be chatting uh, about that. Look ahead to the game against Nebraska coming up here in a few minutes. I am joined by former Badger Bill Nagy and uh, no Brady Ewing. And no Mike Taylor this week. Instead, I've got a special guest. It is Monte Ball. How you doing, guys? Doing great, man. Yeah, I'm doing well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you sitting in, Monte. Um, obviously, <clears throat> Wisconsin goes and gets a big win against Iowa. And, Bill, we were talk- kind of talking before we came on the air about it. That offensive line had a rough game, I think, against or two rough games against Illinois and uh, Ohio State. And they came back, and they took it to Iowa, putting up 300 yards rushing. There was only... And they were only giving up 88 a game. They gave up 300 against Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor for 250. And really, a lot of it was in the fourth quarter. I think Taylor had 130 yards in the fourth quarter alone. What did you see out of that offensive line that really changed from what you had seen the previous two games? I think it was that fourth quarter. They really just owned it, and they controlled the line of scrimmage. And we talked before just with Iowa, and you know what front you're going to get. It's nothing fancy. It's a 4-3 scheme. You know where the guys are going to be. And with a younger group, and I don't want to say young, but they were just able to cut it loose, play fast, and reflected on the last two weeks post by, Ohio State's a tough place to play, man. <laughs> like, you completely lose all pre-snap everything, and then you could look back at the Illinois game, and that was just one of those games, right? So you have one of those games that I think all phases weren't on point. You go to Ohio State, they're good, tough place to play. And that's what they needed, man, to bounce back, um, get the confidence rolling. And it was fun to see, you know, those guys take over and the run game really get back to to where it needs to be and beat a really good front in Iowa. That was was fun to watch. And you could kind of tell early in the game, we talked to the guys after the game, that they were getting pushed early. And when you get pushed early, you can kind of feel that it's going to be a good day um is that accurate i mean could you i mean and and really you know jonathan taylor you could tell early on he was feeling a little bit more comfortable and he was yeah. getting space a little bit more than maybe he had seen <clears> the first two games or the yeah last the agamo's definitely chiming on that just by uh obviously playing running back uh it's most definitely comforting for us to uh, the first couple snaps of the game to to see the line making a push or owning the trenches we like to say and uh that most definitely gets our gets our juices flowing and uh we understand what type of game it's going to be from there on out um the, the drive that I want to talk about is the last drive. It was after the two-point stop, right? So it's 24-22. There's 3-12 left. You have to run that off the clock. <laughs> two weeks earlier against Illinois, they were in that same exact position. Could not do it. Or three weeks earlier with the buy in there. Could not do it. This time, they break off a five-yard run, a five-yard run, a 43-yard run, and just really just stuffed it down Iowa's throat, knowing that they absolutely had to get a stop, and they couldn't do anything right. about it. That's tough to do, especially when the defense knows exactly what you're doing. You're winding up, and you're telling them, we're running the ball. This is what we're doing. Stop it. <laughs> and to impose your will on a defense like that, 
that's what it was. And they that's where they won the game, and that's where I think just as a team you start seeing that identity where you have, you know, a few really low spots. Everybody's against you. You have the game on your back. You can win it, and you take it. That's something that I think can um, really catapult them mm-hmm. into the next weeks. And obviously we have to re- – you hate having to rely on other things, but, you know – you just got to keep controlling one week at a time. But I think that was that was cool to start seeing some of those guys really cut it loose. We talked about it last week, um, the Iowa drive at the end of the 2010 game. And that was oh, yeah. a little bit different because you guys were down and you needed you know, you know, needed a touchdown to, to take the lead. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the, and everyone's going to remember that drive forever, right? Because it was such a ridiculous drive and the way that you guys – the way that you finished it, Monte – um, it was all on you, buddy. No, no, man. That's uh, <laughs> the last. The last four yards was all you. <laughs> this was, was definitely, uh, you know, I remain remain modest still. It's no, he, he said it last week. He yeah, said it last Emory week. Lane, that's the truth. <laughs> when you was, look at the replay, you're like, man, that guy willed it in. That was all on him. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was was at the game. I was on the other. I was telling these guys I was on the other end of the stadium. I thought you fumbled, man. Like everyone's freaking out. I was so out. nervous. <laughs> I was so nervous, nervous, man. I was like, oh gosh, please don't let me just come out. You know, just like this, and uh, it was that's, – that's the thing, man. It's um, just like what Bill said here. It's, uh, it's That's really something that you can really build on going into the next week, watching film, and, you know, the coach is saying, look, this team – the team, the team, excuse me, the defense knows that you're going to run the ball, and you still get the yards. So that's most definitely a confidence booster. And for, for Jonathan Taylor, who, you know, he came into this year with Heisman expectations, he was off to a great start, kind of hit a little bit of a lull. He's not going to get – back into that Heisman conversation and just Wisconsin with two losses you know it's they're not going to be the conversation it's it's essentially a quarterback award anyways at this point right. as, <clears throat> as, as you well know uh, as, <laughs> I'm as, very as, vocal as, about that as uh, Melvin well knows exactly I mean, you know it you can have an, a ridiculous season like you did in 2011 um, or, or like or Melvin t- did or Melvin did in 2014 <laughs> yeah. it's not going to matter but either way the two, uh, 250 yards against that that defense can perhaps jumpstart another nice run, kind of like Melvin went on at the end of 2014 into the rest of these last three games plus potentially a championship game plus a bowl game. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's the thing. It's it's all about building right now because we uh, we understand, and I say we as in, as if I'm still there. <laughs> um, you know, we understand you know, what's on the line. They know. They most definitely know. Uh, it's going to be them against Minnesota. I'm not trying to overlook obviously the teams that we got coming up here, but it's you know, we're expected to win these games, and that we got to go and take care of business at Minnesota. Um, obviously, Minnesota would need to lose needs to lose once here. Be- True. To be- before they they play at right. Iowa. Uh, then they play at Northwestern before hosting Wisconsin. Anything can happen, uh, and really, you know, even if even if I was favored, they are favored by three. That, I saw that somebody told that, and I was like, <laughs> you know the last, wow! You know, the last time Iowa won or uh, Minnesota won at Iowa City. When was that? It's been twenty years. Ooh. That's wild. Yeah, but so is that an indictment on Penn State? People thinking Penn State's not as good, or is that because <laughs> I thought to- Minnesota looked awesome, and you're going to say? Iowa, three losses. They've played really well. They're a good team, but they're going to be what three point favorites at home. That's wild. At, at home, and that's look, the thing. It's at home, and wow. I, and Iowa's a tough, obviously mm-hmm. tough place to play. But Iowa also has lost their three games. I think like by a combined like twelve points, thirteen points, and they've all been against ranked teams. They lost right. to Penn State, Michigan, and to uh, Wisconsin, and it's, they've all been really close games. And I'll be honest, I, the way that James Franklin coached the. We're going back in time here, but the way that James Franklin coached the, the, that game, just his decision making on going for two and then not kicking a field goal—I mean, like it all just 
the dominoes went on down and lined up, and instead of going for a field goal there at the end, they were trying to uh, score a touchdown. But Minnesota did play very, very well, and the quarterback, Tanner Morgan, was insane. I mean, I think he had three incompletions the entire game. Minnesota is better than I think we all thought. I agree. By There's far. no doubt about that, but that's what you want to see. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that regardless what happens over the next coming weeks, win, lose, if we have a shot at winning the West or not, that's going to be a really, really fun game to close out the regular season for mm-hmm. the Axe. And here's the deal. I, I think it's a consensus that Ohio State is the class of the Big Ten. And, of course, yeah, of you course. love a chance <laughs> in a neutral good to go and knock those guys off. And that's why you line it up and that's why you play. That's true. But here's the deal, man. I would much rather take it to Minnesota and just get the axe back and all the above. That, that's that got to be the priority right now. We need that axe. I'm still disgusted. Oh <laughs> we got to get that. Well, I remember we talked last year after that game, and, and you said almost the exact same thing he said when we started this season is they quit. Like, they, they, they just did not bring it in that final week. Right. Yeah, I, I that's what we talked about Minnesota dis- last year. That, that's right, what right. was most <clears throat> disappointing about that. Um, and it, there's a lot of other intangibles, I feel like. There's a lot of <laughs> locker room issues yes. and putting all that aside. Um, it's just a staple. You just don't lose it. Still, and I feel yeah. like that was just almost taken for granted a little bit. Well, it had been and, 14 years. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know life with without the axe as a, as a player, as a fan. Last year was just yeah. I mean, uh, I'm still shocked. It's almost like it didn't happen. Yeah, that's what I, I said. The same thing actually. I was like, just you know, forget about the coaching or what ha- what have you. Whatever's going on in the locker room, it's still mano mano. It's still you know athlete to athlete, and we have the best athletes in my opinion. So we should not have lost that game. They took it to them. Like it wasn't even, like it was a blowout. I mean, yeah. And, and obviously Alex Hornberg turns the ball over four times and. You know, uh, <laughs> why he was playing to begin with, you know, it, it, whatever it is. Um, have you guys been paying attention at all to, to Alex? I actually it? haven't. I mean, I see a lot of stuff on Twitter, like some jokes going back and forth. But, yeah. I mean, what, what, is, he, doing, what is he doing down he's there? He's actually doing all right down there. Now, they're not doing okay, but he, down at Florida State, he's actually doing all right. So Yeah, I don't care about him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, they, they fired, yeah, they fired their coach. They did. That's why they're not doing very well. He's been okay. They're I don't think their offense has necessarily been the issue. He's a capable quarterback, I just think. Yeah. He's a capable quarterback. Uh, yeah, we could end it there. We don't yeah, all right. All right. Time on exactly. That, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll take a break, and we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about Nebraska, whether they are a rival for Wisconsin or not. Zach Bond says they aren't. We'll get these guys' take on it coming up. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We're live at Coaches Club in Cross Plains with former Badgers Bill Nagy and Monte Ball. And uh, Wisconsin is heading to Nebraska to take on the Cornhuskers this Saturday. Wisconsin's beaten them six straight times. They have not lost to them. Uh, I should say they've beaten them seven of eight times since coming into the Big Ten. Only loss was in 2012. Uh, Monte remembers that one uh, well. <laughs> Got off to a big lead, could not hold it. Either way, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not bringing that one up because you had a lot more success against them than you, than you I did. I mean, but it is relevant, though. It's relevant. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's, a, it's a tough place to play. It at. is. I tell it, you what, it's one of the loudest stadiums I've played in. It is. Obviously, Camp Randall being one. My Iowa favorite, up there, of course, too. But, yeah. yeah. 
But Nebraska was a lot louder than I thought. Yeah. Now, Bill, you've got a tradition there. Yeah, there is. <laughs> and those fans are very, very proud, and they still love their football regardless. And I think they're still behind Frost as a head coach. So I don't think it's going to be one of those games where you just roll the helmet out there. No. Right. No. That's, they, that's my take on no, it. No, definitely not. Not, not. They're coming off a bye, obviously, with uh, uh, Nebraska is, and it's going to be a tough Who game. Who makes the Big Ten schedules? I don't understand where all these buys line up, and then all of a sudden we have to play – well, they play Purdue Nebraska, and then Purdue's coming off a bye. Yeah, yeah, whatever. not great, not ideal. <laughs> uh, considering, I mean, considering Wisconsin, um, Iowa, Minnesota, and Penn State all had a bye in the same week, like, uh, and then they played each other a following week, which is great. That's mm-hmm. if they just make it fair either way. Uh, but Nebraska, Wisconsin's had so much luck against Nebraska and and played so well against Nebraska that it. It doesn't feel like a rivalry, even though it's supposed to be. You got a you got a, a rivalry trophy, the Freedom Trophy, that was introduced by uh, in Gary in Gary Anderson's second year in 2014, the first time they played, and it's a nice, I guess it's a nice trophy, but it feels unnecessary because it, it's just not a real true rivalry. And I feel I feel that way. But uh, we asked some of the players this week about it, uh, and Zach Bond, the, the senior linebacker, said this: "It's just another game, another football game. The trophy's never left here." I don't think it's a rivalry yet. Maybe it was before, but it definitely isn't anymore. Do either of you? Well, first of all, what'd you guys think of him saying that? I, I know that uh, there were some people that weren't overly pleased with it. So here's the deal. <laughs> I think doing? there's a lot of truth to what he said. Yes, I do. I do think that, but I also don't necessarily believe in giving somebody some, you know, extra bulletin board yeah. material that they're going to talk about, <clears throat> and they say they don't even think this is a rivalry. But here, here's the deal. What comes first? Do you just you bring a trophy and then all of a sudden it becomes a rivalry? I feel like that's what it's what it is. They made a trophy and it's like here's a rivalry. Well, it's it's the it's the per- feels too too soon. It's too, uh, it's way too soon. It's you're right. Right. What, what was the trophy? The civil conflict trophy. Did you ever ever hear about this? This stupid thing that uh, Connecticut and UCF. Uh, Connecticut made the trophy and UCF a, a fight like a, a game with UCF in the AAC, right? And Connecticut introduced it. UCF had nothing to do with it whatsoever. And they played for it, allegedly, the first time. And UCF beat the crap out of them and just left the trophy at the stadium. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, I do have something to say about that whole, uh, just the whole bulletin board message and stuff. So that's the, uh, <clears throat> whenever uh, Nebraska came to the Big Ten, they, leading up to that week, they were talking a bunch of trash, uh, chiming at the mouth, um, couple days before the game that's really kind of uh, added fuel to our fire most definitely did because um, we were just quiet knew what we we're going to do but just you know obviously checking social media seeing some of the things they were saying it obviously got under our skin and and, and we had to you know prove a point you guys did yeah <laughs> so it's uh it's one of those things i i i'm not all for that um because it's it's just not it's just not wisconsin football yeah but what, when he says it you it may have been a robbery then it like it kind of was in 2011 and 2012. Like they were a good team, and you know they were ranked in the top ten when you guys played them in, a, in 2011. It was a whole big thing coming into the league. Then they beat you guys the following year out there uh, early in the season. And then you guys come back. I and, would say, uh, I would, think did you Michigan, not Michigan State's uh, more oh. of like a like a rivalry. And we talked about this. Last, <laughs> we, t- we, we talked about this last week. Like that was a that was <laughs> yeah. the rivalry that everyone wanted to see continue. Yeah. You know, no disrespect to basis. Nebraska no, at all. You're right. But no, Michigan State in that time period, from the time <laughs> that you were in school and you were in school, 08, 09, 10, 11, yeah. 
even 12, like that was the rivalry in my mind. Yeah, just because there's a, a trophy or something that you're <laughs> playing for doesn't automatically make it a rivalry. <laughs> yeah. There's a rivalry, like you said, Michigan State right. or Ohio State. You could arguably say that over when the you last got, when you guys 20, were in school, 30 for sure. years. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are no trophies with that. Yeah. But I would say easily you're, you know, you're more alerted to when you go and you have to go play at Michigan State than a Nebraska. And with time, things build and things change. And you could say, oh, well, they were good then, but they're not good now. It's, okay, well, Minnesota didn't have the X for 14 years. They took it from us this year or last year. And now all of a sudden this game at the end of the season could dictate who wins the Big Ten West. Right. Mm. Things change. So it's, yeah. you know, just a, a small snapshot. But just because there's a trophy does not mean that it's a rivalry. I agree. I feel like a rivalry needs both sides to feel like it's a rivalry. Right. right. Like, don't you? Cause I feel like Michigan State would have said, like, during that period of time, you guys were as big of a thorn in anybody's side in both ways. Absolutely. And it seems I'm, like such a unilateral decision, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's uh, like I said, no disrespect to Nebraska, of course, but. Um, Plenty of disrespect, disrespect anyways. I mean, they're fairly new to the Big Ten. I mean, they, they, they got to establish themselves. I mean, <laughs> right. yeah, it hasn't even been a decade yet. So I think they just got to pump the brakes a little bit and, and, and figure some stuff out. And, and the thing is, like, we, when we tweeted out the video of Zach Bond saying that, a lot of Nebraska fans were like, well, he's right. <laughs> like, they're like, well, I, I didn't know there was a trophy either. Like, you know, like, people don't even know about it. If you don't know about it, that there's an actual trophy for it, if you don't know what they're playing for, and you're a fan of the team, not like a diehard fan, but just a fan of the team. Right. What the heck? Are you what, why do you even have a trophy? Yeah, when I was GA and and this was 2015, I didn't even know that we were playing for a trophy. And all of a sudden, the guys are carrying it off the field, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I'll Here's be honest. Trophy. I didn't that's know there was a trophy until you mentioned it just about <laughs> that's what's 10 wild minutes about ago. It. Exactly. <laughs> that's, what's, that's what's so crazy. I had no clue. <laughs> right. And so when you look at the the two other trophy games that Wisconsin <laughs> plays, uh, Iowa and Minnesota. The Heartland Trophy is right. relatively new as well. I mean, I think it's only been around since 2005, 2004, 2005. But that is still a rivalry that has years and years exactly. and years of history with it, and so it's still special. I think I'm probably asking this question, and you guys will laugh at me anyways, but the axe means more than anything else, right? Yeah. More than From the Heartland trophy? trophy game? Yeah. yeah. Between those two trophies. Between yeah, the three I trophies, so. I guess we ought yeah. to throw, throw that awesome freedom trophy. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think it's because of one of those things, having the axe for so long, it's that's literally passed down to the next class. It's hey, uh, as a senior, you're on your way out. The freshman class is coming in. It's hey, uh, you know, take care of every game, but this one right here, <laughs> focus on keeping that axe here. Right. So it's uh, it's tough to see that axe leave. Just a rich tradition. It is, man. It is, and it just continues <clears throat> to build and build, and that's what it's about, and that's what rivalries are about. Who told? Who talked about the story of Minnesota leading into that week? Who was? I mean, because was it Hube, was it Jim Huber for? I mean, he, he was probably so gone. Hubes, by, yeah, he Hubes was, gone was gone by the time. Or, Hubes recruited me. Yeah. Um, I know that he, he talked about it. But he was one that used to talk, like, get up in front of everybody You'll laugh talk. at this one. Bob Bostad. No. <laughs> he he gave the, the whole Bostad did? Yeah. That was, it, was it? It was a little animated, let's say that. Was um, it, you know, yeah, it was, was that, it vintage it was Bostad? Yeah, it was, was something that we can't repeat on air <laughs> type deal. Um, <laughs> They're speaking, of course, of Bob Bostad, the offensive line coach, while you were in school. Yep. Uh, he is now the inside linebackers coach, which I would assume that means he's probably the one that's giving the speech now. I wouldn't doubt it. He may be. Yeah. yeah. I uh, bet you he is. 
He's a very um, passionate coach. Yeah, very passionate. He coached <laughs> at Minnesota, too. Yep. So I think he has some ties, and he understands the story as well as anybody else. Um, but for some of the young guys who are, you know, in their first or second Axe game and or last year, the first time they ever lost it, um, I mean, there's just a lot that you need to know going into a game like this. Do you remember the first time you were told about it? And I mean, you guys are both out-of-state guys, so I'm assuming you did not know a lot about the Minnesota-Wisconsin rivalry coming into this. Um, it seems kind of stupid to be playing for a Paul, Paul Bunny and Zach were playing for what? Um, I mean, obviously being from St. Louis and, and right. being from Ohio, you don't know that. But you just see clips of it. You know, sure. yeah. when, you, when you look back on college football and you're a fan and you watch it, there are just certain things that stick out, and it's always like the charging the other sideline, and you have those clips of guys before you, and then you have like the Lawrence Maronis and the guys that you grew up watching in those those games that were super close. So you knew that what it was about, but then they they do a great job and they'll play the you know I mean, they'll they have it on the week, TVs right? yeah. and they have like Aaron Gibson running around with yeah. the axe and just legends yeah. that are, are carrying it around, and it just dates back. So you see that, and it's just. I remember whenever when we were playing, it's uh, yeah. They, I mean, they went all out. Obviously, having the TV rolling with everyone chopping down the field goal posts, etc. Um, but also, Barry would come down um, during some team meetings and share a lot of the history of it. Um, just like Bill said, it's 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 rich. It is, and they used to have the <clears throat> they bring it out to the practice field and it yep. would stay out there until the last person would come off. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah, and everyone would touch it um, walking into the tunnel. Well, they got to get that thing back, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah if, if, we got to beat Nebraska first. If, but, right. True. Okay. Say, say, say this. Say this. Say this. You could lose the next two and only. You can only have it one way. You can lose the next two and beat Minnesota, or you can win the next two and lose to Minnesota. It depends on how Minnesota plays. Um, lead, I guess, against Iowa. Right. That's 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 the question. No, I'm I'm throwing this one out. Just that is just that. Just that one. Bill, I would rather beat Minnesota okay. than have the axe. Then okay, all right. So you're what would you be? Uh, Nebraska and Purdue. You'd, you'd have be, to. You'd be eight and four. You'd be eight and four instead of beating beat Minnesota. Uh, nine yeah. and three. The wins don't matter <laughs> unless you bet the over on eight. <laughs> eight wins. Did you? I didn't bet. Uh, okay. I don't bet on college. <laughs> Too crazy. I don't I'd... bet either. <laughs> um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Monte and. Running backs in history at Wisconsin, uh, Brian, Cal- Cal- Brian Calhoun mm-hmm. had an interesting tweet this week about uh, you and Ron Dane and uh, Melvin. And, oh, I read that. And, yeah, so we'll talk, JT, yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that coming up on the other side. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hey, welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We are at Coaches Club in Cross Plains. Got former Badgers Monte Ball and Bill Nagy uh, with me. So, Brian Calhoun, who was. Darn good in his own right in 2005. Had a, have a, had a ridiculous season, both rushing and receiving for the Badgers. Uh, one of the better running backs that have played here. Monte, obviously, one of the best that have played here as well. And uh, Brian uh, sent out a tweet this week talking about Jonathan Taylor because they're asking that the tweet was – he quoted a tweet from the Big Ten Network, and they're asking what Jonathan Taylor's legacy was going to be. Right. And he offered this up as uh, commentary on it. 
faster than Ron Dane, more physical inside runner than Melvin Gordon, bigger and stronger than Monte Ball. Badger fans better appreciate JT. Guys like him just don't come around often, even in Madison. When you hear that, what do you think, Monte? Honestly, man, it's 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 most definitely rewarding, man. It really is. It's humbling um, just to get mentioned in that group of guys. You know what I'm saying? From someone else who played um, amazing at the position, that being Brian Calhoun. Um, and I think he's right. I really think he's right. Um, obviously, I'm biased, of course. I'm, like, I'm, I'm biased, of course. It's an honor to even be mentioned. You know, I gotta, like, you know, I gotta put that part in there first. But uh, I'm biased, of course. I still think, you know, I'm, you know, one of the best, not the uh, best. to uh, play the position. But Jonathan Taylor is extremely special, and I would be a fool to deny that. He most definitely is. And um, uh, does he it's, offer, it's incredible to watch him. It really is. Does he offer? I mean, when he when he's saying all this stuff, he's essentially saying that he blends the best of yeah. all of you guys together. Do you think that's accurate? <clears throat> can you read that? Can you read it again? Can yeah, you read I was going to say, all right, and I'm not a running back. Yeah, I'm an offensive lineman. Right, but I think he said the first one was Ron Dane and speed. No, no, he said faster than Ron Dane. Faster than Ron Dane. Okay. When you think of Ron Dane, do you think of fast? <laughs> for two for for Quick a two hundred and seventy pounder? More or just in general. I would say <laughs> if you want to say fast, say Melvin Faster than fast, Melvin. Fast. Physical <clears throat> Ron. I just think his comparisons are a little messed up. Sure. But I understand what he's saying to where you're trying to come up with just the strength and well roundedness yeah. and the you know, what Jonathan brings. Yeah. And he's there's no question he's special, but I just think I'd change it. I don't think he's more physical um, in the trenches than than I was. And, and I, I really don't. Yeah, and uh, um, and he's saying bigger and stronger <clears throat> than you. And it depends. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about Monte Ball as a sophomore. When, <laughs> exactly. When, when you were pre 2011. Yeah. <laughs> pre pre baked potatoes and cottage there cheese. You go. Or um, uh, what, what are you talking about? Here? Here's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I. I we all know what he meant. Yeah. Um, well, Brian Calhoun meant. Uh, it pretty much, yeah. He's a he's a melting pot of, of of all the other greats who've played before him, and it's true. He's a very special player. He really is. He, he brings is. a lot to the table. He does, and you know, it just in production wise, and you obviously did not get to carry the ball like he did when he. I mean, he freshman. He had over three hundred carries. Right. He had close to over three hundred last year. You didn't actually get an opportunity to carry the ball a ton until. That Iowa game that we that we that we mentioned, yeah. yeah, and so you had two and a half years and and put up huge numbers. And Melvin didn't get, you know, to carry the ball a ton, he didn't. Uh, <clears throat> it, you know, until his his sophomore year, and and even then he was behind James White at that time, so right. he didn't, you know, he didn't get his opportunity. I feel like it's just different. He, the closest thing to it is Ron, who got just a ton of carries his first two years. I'm glad you're saying that. It's uh, it's because I think a lot of people do forget that. Um, myself. Um, although I was, I did get a you know huge workload, um, but I was still had James, yeah, still had Melvin yeah. to, to obviously come and uh, you know I could sub out um, in 2012. Yeah, you know we weren't getting you know the consecutive 30 carries, 40 carries a game. Um, not taking anything from JT, of course, right? But you're making a great point, is all I'm saying. Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, no, <laughs> but I, that was, but I think I think Bill's that was that was kind of Bill's point when we were True. talking talking off the air. It was you know. This is all JT. This is on JT. All he doesn't. Him. He doesn't. Nikhil Watson has got, gotten a ton of carries. Mm. Uh, Garrett Groshek has not gotten a ton of carries, and I feel like that's probably pretty tough on him. It's a lot of miles on his tires right now, man. <clears throat> and as a fan, you definitely want to appreciate it. Um, and you could 
do all the comparisons in the world. Um, but then you start talking about, you know, schedules, who you're playing, right. what the offensive line's like. There are two bye weeks. There's a championship game. There's all the above. There's so many things that you can factor in when, when comparing these situations. But um, just going back and what BC was saying was just appreciate it. Yeah. Right. And this guy potentially only has a couple four more games, weeks. Four, or maybe four <laughs> yeah. games at four the games. least. Yeah, four games. And th- and you you wanna you don't wanna say that, but if I'm him I'm gone. I, and if, oh, if you're gone. not playing in a big time game, I don't know if you go play in the bowl game. See and, and that's and that, that's another discussion. So if you're not playing in the Big Ten championship and you're not playing in the Rose Bowl or the playoff, playoff is pie in the sky. Yep. He's going top and, twenty. Uh, if you don't win, yeah. If you're not in the Rose Bowl, like you, you shut it down. And I know that the coaches <laughs> would tell him to shut it down. So this, you might have three games left of watching Jonathan Taylor as a Badger. Yeah, and that's just the reality that nobody thinks about. So enjoy it. I think that's what he's play. trying to say. I, I feel like it's just yesterday so too true. that he just, <laughs> he just showed up. But it feels like that was that was that same way with all you guys. Like. You know, you're there one day, and the next day, you know, you're running for, in Melvin's case, 408 yards against <laughs> against Nebraska. You know, like he was a he was a freshman. You know, it, just the special nature of all these Wisconsin running backs. You just think like it's just going to happen. The next guy's going to come along, but it's not necessarily the case. Not necessarily true. It's uh, not. It just so happened to be that Jonathan came <clears throat> up, came over. But there were a couple of years there, where, and, and Corey was dinged up, and, and Dare was nice. But you know, 15 and 16 wasn't anything special for Wisconsin. Right. So I think, you know, when Melvin left, I honestly thought after Melvin left, that was going to be the best, that best, that season that we saw was going to be the best and the best running back that we were ever going to see here. No no, 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 you're good. Like, I thought that was, we had seen the best, and then Jonathan comes along. Right. Uh, he's special. He's special. And uh, we were, I kind of want to bring into the conversation what we talked about off air there. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to run behind guys like Bill and um, other guys who yeah. all, are still playing and their highest paid in their respective position. Um, and just trying to think how well Jonathan Taylor would or how much better he would be uh, running behind the line I ran behind. Yeah, you think about the lines in 2010 and 2011, <laughs> the guys that you got to run behind, right. Bill obviously included in them. Yeah, and I, I'm just going to toss it in, take a lot of pride in just even me personally even being a part of those groups. Yeah. And I'm sitting here on the radio with the day job. <laughs> On Sundays, turn it on, and you're still seeing Zeitler, Wagner, right. Frederick, Havenstein. It's unbelievable, man. You got Joe Thomas, first Groy. belt. Yeah, all those guys. Groy. And I could go on and on, and there's a ton of guys. But those guys are still playing, and they're still arguably top five to their position <laughs> in the NFL. Yeah. It's insane. Like, that's wild to me. That, and that's that, just cool to be a part of that and just have it really know, such a great group of running backs, a great group of O-linemen, and... And seeing that, and you hope that some of these O-linemen can, can grow and, and be that and continue to carry on the tradition. I think they've done a good job, and Coach Rudolph's done a great job. Um, but looking back, that was special when really we had them, was. too. What was that position room like in 2010? Because you just mentioned some of the guys that came along yeah. after you left, like 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 Havenstein and like uh, Groy, who, Nuts, who were not starters, at, per se, that year. But I think we counted it up one time. It was me and a few other guys. There was... So my senior year, and this is going all the way back to the guys who are redshirting, I think there was 13 or 14 NFL linemen in that in that meeting room, <laughs> that which meeting room you usually have like 17 guys. Yeah. So that's going with Karimi, Moffitt. I mean, we could name them all. Oh, yeah. Cons, 
all draft pick type guys right. that were in the same meeting room at the same time. And you had the young guys like Freddie was a red shirt. Right. And we were seniors. Yeah. I mean, it's just a farm. It's a farm for the It was well. wild. Uh, when you look <laughs> back and just see like what our meeting room was like. Right. And what they were like as young guys and you have them on their official visits and then you see what they're doing now. It's it's just cool to um, be a part of a group like that. And then it's uh, I, then it's kind of funny when you talk about a lot of people want Bob Bostad to come back and coach the offensive line. They like they, they feel like it's kind of a I know you're one of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, and I know we're also huge fans or I know you're <clears throat> a huge fan of, of Joe Rudolph as, as a coach. Right. Um, the talent that Bob Bostad had to work with. And and he, I'm sure he'll he, he had a big role in, in mature you know in helping those guys become what you were. But to be working with 14 future pros, that that, that kind of helps the the, uh, the thing a little bit. No, this is what I will say though. I would arguably say that almost every single one of those guys was self-made and made by the program. It wasn't one of those where it was like, oh, here, Bob, like here's an NFL guy. Here, mold him. Like these guys okay. were. All right part of the program you look at when these guys started playing it was second third year grinding it out getting those opportunities it was just a system and it was with the strength and conditioning program it was with how we practiced it was you know individual it we, was all that stuff it was the mentality yeah, it wasn't just, just like that, yeah hey this guy had right. unbelievable talents sure i mean the recruiting that's name of the game you have to put the pieces in place but I don't think it was one of those where he was given the keys like okay. uh, Ryan Day at Ohio State where okay. it's like, oh, here's a bunch of five-star guys. Right. <laughs> you're, go, oh, you're a really good coach now. All right, it so wasn't that at all in my opinion. All right, so then I asked the question. Should, should <laughs> That's Mon- such a good point. Monte wants Monte would be okay with Bob Bostad going back to offensive line. Would you want him back at offensive line? I think that Rudy and I think Bostad are both unbelievable coaches. They really are. And yeah, I th- yeah and I, I do think that they both – have a different approach, and there's more than one way to get the most out of individuals. Hmm. Um, and they both have different styles. And I think Rudy, having the offensive coordinator and having a lot, he champions so many different roles that people don't know about with recruiting. With recruiting um, is a huge one. Yeah, he's an unbelievable recruiter, and I know that he has a lot more on his plate right now than I think Coach Bo did when he was coaching those old lines. Yeah. N- not, not taking anything away from him, but they're both unbelievable coaches, and I think they're arguably two of the best. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, mine's pretty simple. Yeah, I think he should. Um, but then again, that doesn't mean that what they're doing is incorrect. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just, I just felt very comfortable with the ball in my hand. <laughs> A ball in my hands when I was running behind uh, both stats coaching the whole line. Yeah, there may be a day in the near future where, with success, right. there's going to be other opportunities for other coaches. And we could throw it out there. Rudolph had an opportunity at the Temple job. He was in the running for like he's going to get start getting tossed around for some mm-hmm. head jobs. And as much as you want this group, co- this group of coaches to stay together forever, it's not the reality. Yeah. Things are going to happen, whether it's this coming year, the year following, whatever it is. But if you can have Bob Bostad on your staff as an inside linebackers coach, and those guys are playing their tails off too, um, and just having him as an asset, mm-hmm. I mean, what more can you ask for? It's mm-hmm. an unbelievable staff that you know Coach Chris has assembled, so yeah. feel good about it. We'll talk more Badgers coming up on the other side. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. 
This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We're at Coaches Club in Cross Plains, former Badgers Monte Ball and Phil Nagy. Bill, we kind of talked about this last week. I, I brought up Monte's tweet. Remember the uh, the tweet about them being one dimensional, and we. We, oh. did, we did talk about it. <laughs> I kind of want, uh, now that you're here, yeah. I wouldn't mind asking you about it. Um, you tweeted after, it was after the Ohio State yep. game, um, and this is what happens when you play a good team, or this is what happens when you play a team like Ohio State. You become, you, when you're one-dimensional, you have no shot. You can beat the Kent States of the world, but you can't beat Ohio State. This is Wisconsin yeah. football. Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing. First off, it's it's obviously an emotional tweet after so much hype going to the game, but obviously there's a little bit of truth to it. Um, and they said as much. Most definitely some truth to it, just because I just I love the idea, especially being a running back. I love it. Love the idea of smash mouth football. The old linemen love it. The running backs love it. Tight ends. We we like that stuff. But then again, you got to be able to adapt to the game of football. And I just see that we just didn't do that. We just didn't just open up the playbook and just. Just throw some plays out there. Let's just see how they work. And, and, and would you say when you were here that they were one-dimensional? You guys were one-dimensional? I guess the word being you know one-dimensional, not saying like we all we can do is run. Obviously, we used what was working. We were just very productive at our run, and that's what we did. My thing is this. If you keep running into a wall, a wall, a wall, it's like, okay, let's just let the quarterback just air it out. Let's just, let's just, let's just play some football. We're not expected to win this game. Let's just see what we can build on. Yeah. I feel like in that game is. I mean, I feel like Ohio State's doing that to everybody. You know what I mean? Like it's just that's a, that's it, the other that, side that, of it. That's, that's a, a great football team. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that, that is as good a football team as I've seen of late. And again, right. maybe they'll get tested here coming up in the next few weeks, whether it's Penn State or Michigan or whatever. But I knew the weather game. was rough there. It was. But I heard it was like an absolute downpour almost the whole game. Oh, it was. Mm-hmm. And and the Justin, I didn't realize that. Just <clears throat> looking like watching on the. Oh, it was TV. bad. I didn't, I didn't it, realize it. It was bad. And Justin Fields said as much. He said, if it wasn't raining, we would have put 52 on those guys. And he probably wasn't wrong because it would have gone. It was kind of both ways. The Wisconsin's offense. They're and, good, man. You just got to give, give them the credit. You do. You do. You, you do. do. It's tough. I feel like if you if Paul Christ had the weapons that perhaps he had when you were playing, it may have been different. And I and I guess. Of course. And, and mainly I'm talking about under center. If he had a dynamic quarterback, <clears throat> not even a dynamic quarterback, a really good quarterback like Scott Tolzien was, like he was, you know, or a dynamic quarterback like Russell was. was right. Things look a little bit different than when Jack Cohn's under center. Of course, yeah. That's why it's it's one of those things, obviously, yeah, being an emotional tweet, but it came from a place of truth. Sure. Um, I feel like there's, there's we we got to stop being so content with, um, you know, settling for a bowl in Florida. Um, and I say that, obviously, from the heart. I mean, I am a Badger. I'm a diehard Badger fan, of course. Um, but I do also kind of feel like I have the right to say something like this. Um, being a former athlete for the Badgers, so it's like one of those things. I, I just expect for us to do better. Um, Bill can attest to this as well. Us former players put so much uh, just – we just demand so much more. Yeah. And, and you guys, of any of anybody, have earned the right to, to – deserve more and want more of course right because I, I i and i and i would not say anything like that or tweet anything like that if i didn't see the potential 
Right. That's the thing. And, and, and I think it's largely because the wide receiver group that they have Thank is you. potentially <laughs> as, as good as anything they've had since maybe 2003 right. when we Brandon Williams about, and Lee Evans yeah. were doing it. We talked about that off air, just some of their personnel groupings being a lot mm-hmm. lighter. And it's a testament to trying to have the best players on the field. And they have a great receiving core. And a little bit light on the tight end. I mean, they have Ferguson, and there's right. some younger guys trying to get in there, some younger fullbacks, but um, not as heavy as it was back when we were both playing. Right. And we did have some good receivers and some good quarterbacks, but they do have the guys. I mean, you saw Cephas, some of the catches yeah. and some of the plays that guy makes. Yeah, That guy's an NFL receiver. Like yeah. He's a top. <laughs> he, he's a first, second-round receiver, in my opinion. Okay. That guy's a stud. He's, he's, a, he's a fantastic player. He uses his body very well. He catches and he catches with his hands, and which he, I think is just he's a great remarkable. player, man. Shields the defender. Here's the thing. And here's the deal, though. This is what I'm going to say. If you can't run the ball on first down and get yourself ahead, and you put yourself in really, really tough passing down, yes, you do. And you have a pass rush like you do at Ohio State. <laughs> you can't do it anything. No. Period. Right. So it. It's just complimentary football, right? right? Sure. And it's just putting yourself in the best position to where you can actually cut it loose and let those guys play. Um, and Ohio State's it's a tough, tough thing to judge off of that just because they're such a good team. And I yeah, don't think that we true. got in any type of flow. But you also see that you know with the Illinois game, and there's some stuff where you just you don't really get going. And um, I think it's. Throughout the year, it's always a journey with Coach Chris. That's what he always talks about. Right. And it's, you know, getting better and really trying to see what your identity is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know what it's going to be. And it's That's a, a, really it's a growth. It's a growth throughout the year. So, and each year is different. And you have different players and you have different people that are, that are in certain spots. And you have the Russell Wilsons that come in and you right. have, you know, unbelievable running backs and you have great receivers. But it's just figuring out a way to, to get the ball and, those guys' hands and up until last week I don't necessarily think that we've done a great job getting the ball in to see if it's his hands and some of the other receivers, my opinion. And the great thing 100%. about the great thing about last <laughs> week was throwing early. I, especially, you know, the third quarter, that deep ball to Cephas was right. on first down. And I haven't seen a ton of first down throwing. And I'll just say this, and I know everyone desperately wants to see Graham Mertz. So do I. I think he's gonna end up being the quarterback next year. And I think he's going to end up. That offense is going to look a little bit different next year. I've heard some good things about him. He's it, it's Jack is not healthy right now, so he's not at playing as well as I think he did at the beginning of the year. But I think by t- by the time Graham Mertz, by the time we come around to fall or spring football and fall camp, Graham Mertz will have take overtaken Jack Collins as starting quarterback. And at that point, there will be no excuses. I, I think they will open up. The, I think things will okay. open up, and it'll look different. At least in my opinion, it'll look different than it has this year. You'll get maybe you'll get maybe yeah. you'll get some more tight ends that can that and, you can need more multiple. I just want to throw this in. This is not just on Jack. This is on oh, the old line. This is no, on no, everybody no. too. And I, that's I why disagree. I don't want I don't Very want true. people to spin it and be like, oh, we just Graham Mertz is going to come in here and no, be no. the savior. That's not what because I'm saying. he's been put in some really really rough situations. Yeah. Down he has been. I, I don't disagree. The so offensive line I think is a big part of that. And those guys are going to be the old line's going to be better next year. Potentially, Biotish might be out. Biotish might be gone. Not great. And we'll see what happens. I mean. I know Van Lannan had his, gonna leave? he had his he had his troubles against he had his troubles against uh, Ohio State, but everybody else did too. Um, I think that's a possibility. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I guess. Uh, but no, they have a lot of young young offensive linemen coming in. Yeah. we'll see how it plays out. Who you got this week, real quickly? 
Wisconsin. Wisconsin by? Uh, 16. Monte? Ooh, 16. 16, 16 is tough. Uh, ooh, I'm going to go six. Is Jonathan Taylor? I'm going to go two field goals. We're, uh, we're going we're gonna to. I think the spread's 14. 14. It I, is. I got the spread of six. Oh, uh, you, got a, you got a 14? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> 14 JT. Point spread. JT, does he go over 200? He's gone over 200 both times. Does he go over 200 on Saturday? Um, I got JT at 177. I got 145. He's going yeah, over easy 145. He's going over easy. They're going to open it up. Monte Ball, Bill Nagy, thank you very much. Appreciate it. We'll be listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. You're listening. You have been listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable, live from Coaches Club in Cross Points. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.